Come on, church, put your hands together. Come on, put your hands together and let the Lord know that he's worthy today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen, amen. <laughs> Slap somebody high five and you can be seated this morning. God is good all the time. Man, it's good to be here with you guys today. Our pre-Christmas service, can you believe that next week is Christmas, man? Blowing me away. So, hey, we're glad you're here. We're excited um, about what the Lord would have to say to us today. Um, next week, like I said, it's going to be our Christmas service. We are going to have service here, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. So, um, if you're not out of town, we'd love for you to come hang out with us and celebrate the birth of our Savior um, talking about the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, um, the Redeemer of the world, uh, the Messiah of the world, the Savior of the world, his birth had been prophesied in the, in the, in the Old Testament. For, since the book of Genesis, it, the, the prophecy had said there will, be, there will come a Redeemer, there will come a Savior. What, is it, what does prophecy mean? Prophecy simply means this. It is a foretelling or a prediction of what is to come. And since the fall of man in Genesis, God said there's going to be a Savior to come and redeem the world. Not only, we'll talk more about that next week, but not only was there a prophecy about the, the Savior of the world, there was a prophecy about a guy that would come and prepare the way for Jesus. There was a prophecy that said this man's going to come 700 years before this man was born. 700 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah said, somebody's coming. And he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. This somebody's going to be great. This somebody is going to turn the hearts of sons and daughters back to their fathers. This guy is going to be very, very special. And today I want us to read that prophecy, and we'll talk about that. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. Listen, it is a voice from someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill the valleys, level the mountains and the hills, straighten the curves, and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. Father, we just simply ask you to speak to us today. Speak to us through the life and the prophecy of the man that would prepare the way for the, the Messiah that would prepare the way for Jesus. Open our minds, open our hearts. Lord, speak to us. Take this old message, take this Old Testament message, take this message and make it relevant and real and speak to us right where we are today, Lord. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... So here's my question that I want us to ask today. Who is this guy? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming one day. Somebody's going to prepare the way. Who is this guy? Who is the one that would prepare the way, this messenger from the wilderness? And, and, and the answer to that is John the Baptist, John the baptizer. He is one. It's Jesus' cousin. We'll find out. But today, we're going to spend some time talking about John the Baptist. Not only are we going to talk about John the Baptist, we're going to talk about John the Baptist's parents. We're going to talk about what kind of life that they lived, and we're going to talk directly about this. Listen to me. Look, 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 mom and dad. We're going to talk directly about how our choice as parents will affect the lives of our children. 
First, we're going to talk about John the Baptist. I love to preach about this guy. I really, really do. Like, he's one of my biblical heroes. John the Baptist was a man's man. Come on, somebody. How I many you know we need some manly men to come back in our country? Come on now. Oh, y'all going to leave me hanging? That's okay. I'll preach. I don't need your help. That's okay. I am ready. I am anointed with the Spirit of God. I got a word for you, and if you won't help me out, that's okay. I will preach. I'll preach to the camera the end of the day. I'm looking at you, Facebook. I'm looking at you, YouTube, because these folk in here, they ain't connected with me yet, but, but it's okay. We're going to preach anyway. John the Baptist was a man's man. We just need some men to come back and be men of God in our world anymore. And I preach about manliness all the time. I'm talking about spiritual manliness. I know in the world right now, they say masculinity is toxic. And I know this feminism thing is on the move. And I'm not talking about toxic masculinity. I'm talking about men that line up with the Word of God and know their responsibility and carry the weight of saying, you know what? God is still calling men to be the spiritual leaders of their home. We need some men, some manly men that are not afraid to flex their muscles on the devil. Come on, somebody. I feel like preaching to you now. We need some men that are not just going to let culture come in and take their children away. Some men that are not just going to come in and let Hollywood take their children and distort the minds of their sons and daughters. Some men that will stand up and speak the truth. And if you don't like me and if it offends you, snowflakes, sorry. I am a man's man. I am God's man. And I'm going to stand on the word of Almighty God. That's what John the Baptist did. John the Baptist was a man's man. Guarantee you, they probably didn't have skinny jeans back in his day, but he did not wear skinny jeans. He was a man's man. He took this thing called the Nazarite vow. We're going to see in a minute that the Nazarite vow, he said, you know what? I'm not even going to touch any alcohol. I'm not going to let any strong drink uh, touch my lips. I'm not saying you're bad if you do. But John the Baptist said, I'm going to live my life for the glory of God. I'm going to be above reproach. I'm not going to be a stumbling block for anybody. He, he was strict in his life. He was a passionate preacher of repentance. Man, do we need to hear that message in our country today, repentance. Yes, God is good, and yes, God loves you, and yes, God has some great and mighty things for you, but if we want the best of God, we need to learn to repent. That means turn from our selfishness, turn from our sin, turn from the ways that are separating us from God, and run back to God and have a life change. John the Baptist preached repentance with passion. He baptized them in the Jordan River, and you know what? He didn't go, oh, Buddy, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's like, you brood of vipers, you need to repent of yourself. Where? He dumped him under the water. He was passionate guy. He lived in the wilderness. He was from the country, y'all. He ate locusts and wild honey. He wore camel's hair and leather. You know what about this guy? He was his own kind of individual. Can I say this to you today? Look at me. Look, look, look. Be your own kind of self. Quit trying to be like everyone else. John didn't dress like the priests of that day. He didn't preach like the people in the, in the sanctuary. He was his own kind of man. Can I just tell you, young people, look at me. In, in a culture that says you need to fit into this mold, in a culture that says you need to look like Hollywood, in a culture that says you need to look like your classmates, no, 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 be your own kind of you. You are unique. You are individual. God has made you exactly like he needs you to be and he has given you everything you need to be successful and have a life of satisfaction embrace who you are embrace that you're from the country y'all come on somebody i joked with connor he tried to not sound country for 10 years and he finally said you know what i can't help it 
I'm a son of Jerry Rice from Stanford, Texas. I'm going to sound a little country when I sing. You know what? Be country. My kids like homeschool. Yeah, yeah, you're homeschool. Yeah, you're from the country. Yeah, you're a little bit hillbilly. Just embrace who God has made you to be. It is easier to be you than it is anybody else. John the Baptist was himself. I want us to take a look at his story, particularly the miracle of his conception and, and his birth. Um, according to the doctors of the day, John the Baptist should never have been born. His mother was barren. We're going to read the story in a minute. It's a story of prophecy, how Isaiah said this is going to happen, and 700 years later, it happened just like Isaiah said it would. We're going to read the scripture, Luke 1, 5 through 24, 20 verses. You got to focus. You got to look at me. Look, 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 and promise to me you'll stay focused while I read this scripture. Let me hear you say a good amen, because I got to read you the whole story to get to it. Luke 1. Starting in verse 5, when Herod was the king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron, Zechariah and Elizabeth, husband and wife. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in the eyes of God, careful to obey all of the commandments and regulations, but they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both really, really old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter into the church house of the Lord and burn incense, which signified prayer. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying as well. While Zechariah, watch this, was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. And Zechariah, he was shook up just a little bit. And he was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw this angel. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayers. Your wife, Elizabeth, that old barren thing, that old, old woman, that woman of her old age who hasn't been able to have kids for 60, 70, 80 years, that your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you're going to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness. Let me just say this right quick. Children give great joy and gladness. Come on, somebody. That's why we don't kill them and rip them out of the safety of their mother's womb because God knew them before they were in their mother's womb and God gave them to us because they bring greatness and joy. And many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or any alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God, he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, wait a minute, dude, like, how's this going to happen? How can I be sure? Because like, I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. And the angel said this, I am Gabriel. I have stood in the very presence of God, and it was him who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child's born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled 
at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them, and they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Watch this. Soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. So let's break some of this down. First thing I want you to see about Zechariah and Elizabeth, they lived righteously in the eyes of God. Can I tell you, it is still important that you and I choose to live righteous in the eyes of God. There is something about living righteous in the eyes of God that people want to look down at us and go, oh, well, they're just old fuddy-duds, and oh, they just want to live according to the Bible, and they want to live righteous in the eyes of God. It didn't say don't have fun. How many of you know, look at me, you can live a righteous life and still have fun and be full of joy. They lived righteous. Listen to me. We have got to make sure that we live righteous in the eyes of God because there is a, a culture that's telling us this is righteous. Live righteous according to what's taking place in our country. Live righteous according to what are the hot topics in America. But listen to me. What is righteous in the eyes of culture will always clash with what is righteous in the Word of God. And if you are like me, if God has saved you, if God has delivered you, if God has brought you from a mighty long way, he is the one that deserves the glory. He is the one that changed my life. He's the one that changed my future. He is the one that I am going to choose to live righteous in his eyes. Live righteous. Zechariah and, and, and Elizabeth lived righteously, and they were obedient to all the commandments of God. Yet, listen to me, look, look, look. In spite of their obedience... In spite of their righteous living, they still couldn't have children. They still couldn't have children. Can I tell you, in biblical times, a lot of value was placed on family, and a lot of value was placed on having children. Can I just tell you that, that a, in biblical times, a lot of value was placed on a woman for being able to have children. We want to have lots of kids. That's really our inheritance. That's what life is all about. That, that, here's the deal. They were living righteous, but they still couldn't have kids. Maybe depression. Maybe darkness. Maybe questioning, maybe wondering why, maybe feeling sorry for themselves. Listen, we need to know, and I want you to look at me. We need to know and we need to understand this, that a life of obedience to God, that a life of living righteously is never without struggle, without disappointment, or without unanswered prayers. Somehow we believe the lie that if we do right, God should give us everything that we want, when we want, how we want, and in the quantity that we want. If I go to church, check that box. If I put some money in the plate, check that box. If I hold my tongue and don't cuss, check that box. If I pass up drinking that weekend, check that box. Well, then we present ourselves and we go, God, I have done everything that you asked me to do. You, you need to answer my prayers. I'm entitled to get my prayers answered, and I'm entitled to never have any struggles. It's not true. It's a lie from the pit of hell. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. We live in a world full of sin. And the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to thwart every good thing that God wants to do in your life. We are going to have some struggles. 
And here's the problem, and here's why I want to talk about that. Because over my, 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 my term of preaching for 21 years, I've seen a lot of people come to God, broken, busted, and disgusted, messed up, jacked up, and they begin to live righteous, and they begin to honor God, and their life gets back in order, and yet one thing will come into their life, and it doesn't work like they want it to work, and it doesn't happen as quickly as they want it to happen, and they like a dog that returns to its vomit, they get mad at God and go back to their old ways. You and I have got to understand. We have got to be more mature. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me preach. How many of you want to be around a spoiled, rotten, bratty little kid? And every time that spoiled, rotten, bratty little kid doesn't get what he wants, he throws his sucker down, holds his breath, runs around and pouts. Can I tell you, there's a lot of folk that go to church, and every time God don't say yes to you, or every time it don't work the way you want to go, you act like one of the pouty, little, bratty, little, spoiled, rotten kids, and throw your sucker down and hold your breath. Stop. Man, I didn't get in this thing so that God would give me everything. I got into this thing. I got into this Christian life. I started following Jesus. I started sharing the gospel. I started sharing the good news. And I changed my ways and I repented because I understood that that old life was leading me down to straight to hell. And I know that Jesus picked me up out of the miry clay. He changed my life forever. And now, no matter what happens, I'm going to give God the glory and do my best to live righteous for him. We got to do that, y'all. What do we do, though? Aggravating, not going our way. Look what Zechariah and Elizabeth did. Luke 1.8. Zechariah kept on serving God in the temple. He's old. They ain't had no kids. He continues to go to church and serve God. Look at me. Look, look, look. Can I tell you something, Dave? You need to do more than come to church. You need to serve God. So many of us think, I'll just come to church. I'll just show up at church. Well, they're serving up there, and they're serving back there, and they're serving over there, and I'm just going to come to church. I'm going to tell you what, there ain't no joy. If sooner or later, if you just come to church to be coming to church to see what we're going to sing and how I'm going to preach, you know what? Sooner or later, you're going to get disgruntled and grappy, and it ain't going to mean nothing to you. But you need to serve the church. You need to serve God. Serve. Volunteer to serve somewhere. If there's not a place to serve and volunteer, you know what? Just say, you know what? I'm going to the house of the Lord today, and I'm going to greet people, and I'm going to be friendly. Serve God. Serve God when it's good. Serve God when it's bad. Zechariah said, I am not going to quit serving my God. He kept on praying. He kept on. Watch this. Luke 1, 9. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter into the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. Burn incense means pray. Everybody shout pray. pray. Not only was he praying, there was a whole multitude of others praying out there with him. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. They're praying, y'all. They're praying. How many believe in the power of prayer? Shout yes. yes. How many of you neglect your prayer life? Shout yes. You always going to be lied. But anyway, prayer, man. Can I just remind you for a minute? Prayer changes things. Prayer shakes things up. Prayer causes the supernatural. Prayer causes the miraculous. Prayer. We need to be people of prayer. If you were here last Sunday, we just had one of those services where like God just shows up. I had people call me all week long and testify of what God said to them or what God did to them or how this had worked all of a sudden in their life. I mean, like last Sunday, you ever been to one of them services when you just show up and like God shows up? Come on, somebody. 
And you know he's there. And I was thinking this last week, like Sunday was so good. And what made it so good? God is a leader and you're always trying to think, like, how can we change that? How can we make it be that way every week? And so I was thinking this week and it took me back to the Wednesday night that 90% of you chose not to come the week before. We had a prayer service on Wednesday night. 75 people here. We prayed. We prayed the Lord's Prayer. We prayed for an hour. We prayed, Lord, let your will be done. We prayed, Lord, let your kingdom come. We prayed, Lord, heal some people. We prayed, Lord, forgive us. We prayed, Lord, provide for us. And on Wednesday, we prayed and we cried out. And then Sunday, boom, God just showed up and did the miraculous thing. Can, can, I, can I testify? Katie Grace has been playing the piano because she's got some problems with her vocal cords and she can't sing and she's been struggling with it. And I didn't even know this was going to happen, but this morning I was jacking with her and talking to her about it and she said, do you know, for the first time in weeks, this last week, I had absolutely no pain in my vocal cords. Now you can call that an accident, you can call that fate, but I would believe that she was here in the presence of the Lord serving God in the middle of a struggle with her vocal cord. And I just believe God has touched her this last week. I've, I've seen, uh, yeah, yeah. He's in there praying. He's in church praying. People are praying outside. And what happens? This, I love this. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar as he was praying an angel came down come on somebody we would totally freak out if an angel showed up at church an angel not like a little angel like a little kid that you dressed up to be in the angel play with a coat hanger to make the halo and wings that their grandmother made no 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 an angel from heaven i don't have time to talk to you about today read the scripture read your bible and see what an angel really looks like he's in church he's praying all the other people are praying this angel straight from heaven comes down and appears at the sanctuary. Can I tell you what I've been praying all week long? Come on, Lord, send your angel to this place over here in the next year. Come on, Lord, don't let us just go through church and go through the motions this next year like we did last year. Don't let us just show up and expect to have this kind of sermon. Don't let us just show up and visit during church. Don't just let us show up and play on our phone. Don't just let us show up and be critical of everything that's going on. Don't let us just go through the motions. God, let us renew our mind. Let us come believing and trusting God. God, show up in this place and show up in our lives. Show up, God. Do something supernatural, man. Something that will shake us up. How many of you know we need to be shook up? Look at your neighbor right quick and say, you need to be shook up. Luke 1, 12. Look, the angel shows up. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed with fear when he saw this angel. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayers. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many are going to rejoice at his birth. Listen to the prophecy over Elizabeth's son. 
Listen to me, look, you and I as parents and as grandparents, we should believe that our sons and daughters and our grandsons and granddaughters are created for greatness and to do more than work a 40-hour week, to do more than build their own little kingdom, to do more than put some money in the bank, have some good horses, or own their home. Our children, we should pray this prayer over our children. Parents and grandparents, we should be praying this over our sons and daughters. Here's what the prophecy was about John the Baptist, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Come on, somebody. How many of you want to have children that are great in the eyes of the Lord? He must never touch wine or any other alcoholic drinks. To that, I would say, our children should have a different standard than the standards of their classmates. Come on, somebody. The way that you raise your children should be a different standard than the way the world is raising their children. The way that we raise our children as men and women of God and as Bible-believing people, it should be different than the way the government says we should be raising our children. We should have biblical standards. And be prepared to catch a bunch of crap about that and be prepared for people to make fun of you. But listen to me, at some point we have to grow up and say, it's not about what you say about me, it's about me honoring God. Oh, y'all got quiet, didn't you? He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Listen to me. I didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost till I was 25 years old. What if we raised up some kids and daughters and prayed for them to be filled of the, full of the Holy Spirit from their birth, y'all? So good. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down. He will turn many people to the Lord their God. My kids, I speak it prophetically over Will and Jesse. Will in his knuckleheadedness, cutting hair at a barbershop. Jesse with them nylon britches and them steel-toed shoes. He will turn many people at the Chick-fil-A towards serving God. And Clara Lynn, she will be great in the eyes of the God, filled with the Holy Ghost, and she will turn many, many men to the kingdom of God, back to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah, he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. How many of you know we need the hearts of our fathers and our nation to be turned back to their children? You want to know what save our country? You know what save our nation? You know what turned around? Not another woke movement and not another, not another pronoun, not another that crap. Not another, you know, let me tell you what else will we'll turn the heart. What will change our country is when fathers start saying, I am a father to my sons and daughters. And that is the most important thing. And when they lead them in the kingdom of God, when fathers are present in their home, when fathers play an active role in raising up their sons and daughters, it will change the world we live in. And he will, John, will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Prophesied, your son's going to be great. Going to turn, going to prepare the way for this promised Messiah. Going to prepare the way for Jesus. The angel gives this great word to Zechariah. And Zechariah does the same thing that so many of you and I do. Zechariah knows God. Zechariah knows the promises of God are yes and amen. Zechariah knows the plans that God has for him. And then God shows up and says, Zechariah, we're fitting to do something mighty in your life. You know what he does? Wait a minute. How's that going to be? He starts making a list of excuses why God can't move in his life. He starts making a laundry list of excuses. How's that going to be? And he starts basing his current situation on his previous experiences. Come on, somebody. Zechariah says, I'm old. And that old thing I sleep with, she's old too. I know how this baby-making deal works, angel. I don't know if you do or not. 
How are we going to have a kid? We've been trying for all these years. Zechariah gives a laundry list of excuses as to why not. And the angel responds to Zechariah. Listen to this one. Luke 1, 9. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I am a named angel in the Bible. I am a messenger of the Almighty God. And he said, I have stood in the very presence of God, and it was he who sent me to bring you this good news. The angel said, Zechariah, you've been serving God all these years. And have you gotten so tied up in prayer and in incense and in trying to check the box that you have forgotten who your God is? The angel said, "Ah, I've been standing in the presence of God. I've been standing in the glory of the creator. I've been standing in the glory of Almighty God. And God is the one that sent me and told me to tell you this. God doesn't lie. And the angel said, Zechariah, remember who God is. This is going to come to pass. Connor talked to us, and I'm almost done. Listen to me. Connor talked to us a while ago about renewing our mind and changing our mind. Our changing our mind to worship. That we're for Paul and Silas and we're in jail and we're in prison. Don't focus on negative and don't be a whiny honey and don't say, oh, well, the future is so dim. No, renew your mind and go, God is still God and God is still on the throne. And it may be impossible with man, but it's possible with God. Jesus was praying and sweating drops of blood. He renewed his mind and he got up and he trusted God. I want to encourage you today. Change your mind. Renew your mind right now. Don't get in routine. Don't be conformed to the way of this world. Open up your mind and look at who God is and see God high and lifted up and have some hope that God can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that you ask or think. And then here's the final verse and I'm done. Here's the end of it. Luke 1, 24. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth, she became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. She became pregnant and she gave birth to John the Baptist. Everything that God said happened. Conrad, y'all come help me close this thing. It happened. The prophecy came to pass and the plan to prepare the way for the Messiah began to unfold to prepare the way for Christ. Here's the bottom line. I want to ask you to bow your heads. I want you to know this today. God's plans are not new. Like, like, like God knew you and God formed you and God created you for greatness. To be more than status quo, to do more than just work and take up space. God has had a plan for you before you were born. Open up your mind to, to, to receive that. God has plans for you. He's had plans for you for years. And maybe some of you have just gotten into a rut and a routine. And you, when you first got saved, you were excited, man. And you knew God was going to use me and God was going to do and God was going to change. Maybe you've gotten into routine and mundane. The enemy has just kind of got you comatose and you've forgotten. From the beginning of time, we're reminded of the words of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 1.5, God said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you. I knew you, Dina. I knew you. I knew you, Patrick. Like, I, I knew you, Megan. Like, like, I knew you. Like, I knew you, Kate. Like, I knew you, Mitch. Like, I knew you. 
before you were in your mother's womb. I knew you, I, 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 I knew you would come to pass. I haven't forgotten you. I still hear your prayers. I knew you before you were in your mother's womb and before you were even born, I, I set you apart to be a world changer, to affect the world, to raise up kids that would be greater than you and to affect people you're around. Renew your mind right now and just open your mind to go, wow, God, I got so caught up and I was looking at my jail time and I got so caught up and I was looking at my anxiety. I got my eyes off you. Renew your mind. Take care of those negative thoughts that don't line up with the Word of God and cast them out of your mind. Take on the mind of Christ. See God high and lift it up. And know that there's anything can happen in your life. Be reminded that God calls us to live righteously. Sometimes that's hard, sometimes that's a struggle, but be reminded that when we live righteous and when we're devoted to God, we're still gonna have some struggles, we're still gonna have some disappointments. We're not always gonna get our prayers answered. But in the end, God always rewards righteous living and devotion to Him. God always rewards it. Pray, y'all. Let's have prayer on our hearts this week. Prayer on our hearts as we end out this year, as we start to celebrate Christmas. Prayer. Prayer activates the power of God. Prayer brings the supernatural and the miraculous. Let's pray and let's expect. Pray together. Pray corporately. And as we do all those things, let's be prepared for God to blow our socks off and do what we thought could never be done. Holy Spirit, speak to us as we close this service today. Change us and push us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, stand on your feet. Let's pray.